0: Hello and welcome to Newspeak, <coughs> this week's look at the news agenda from the New Culture Forum. I am joined as usual by Rafe hadle who's Senior Fellow and Historian and World Commentator and indeed uh, a guest that we're very pleased to have back, um, Alpen Mehmet, who is Chairman of Migration Watch. Um, gentlemen, before we launch into all the various issues we're going to talk about, just one uh, message for you. Um, as you know, our locals' events have really been taking off over the past few months. Uh, we have another one, we have one in Reading this week, but next week we have another one in, in Norwich. That's on Saturday uh, the 8th of July, Saturday the 8th of July in Norwich. If you're in Norwich or Norfolk or even if you're not, uh, please do join us. Um, the best way to do that is to express your interest I- by email to events at newcultureforum.org.uk events at newcultureforum.org.uk and then we will send you uh, details of times and venues they're proving to be very popular people are meeting each other uh, often uh, mostly in fact for the the first time and it's a a great way of meeting like-minded spirits so uh, please do join us next saturday Uh, in the meantime uh, well first of all Today, indeed, we've had a ruling in the courts about the government's Rwanda migration policy. Uh, We're going to be discussing that. We're also going to be discussing the completely unconnected issue of the housing crisis. Um, Well, in fact, that's what the mainstream media would have, you think. Um, But I think that we're going to find a few connections there. And finally, of course, we've got cricket. It's the latest British institution to be in the dock uh, for racism. Um, First of all are you surprised
1: are you not by what's happened in the court today with Miranda out? I'm puzzled Peter rather than surprised I mean nothing surprises me nowadays with uh, the the sort of judicial decisions that are reached Uh, who knows Um, I I note that uh, the Lord Chief Justice he was very careful to say that there was nothing political about this this judgment, and indeed, in his case, I'm I'm sure there wasn't because he, in fact, ruled in favour of the government, whereas the other two judges um, were against. So it was a majority decision, and I, I, as I say, I'm I find it difficult to understand how the most senior judge says Mm -hmm. no this is perfectly legal this is it's a safe country there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't go there and went along with the Court of Appeal whereas the other two judges um, said oh well you know um, there's a if it were to be um, a case of people being denied asylum in Rwanda then they might be sent to a country where they would be ill-treated, mm. there, were, there were lots of ifs and buts which just to me didn't seem appropriate and I, I'm sure that the vast majority of people in this country would will feel the same. You know, I mean, These are people that uh, we have reached an agreement with the government of Rwanda, mm. they have made all sorts of commitments, they don't actually have Returns agreements with other countries, so mm. it would be very difficult for them to send individuals back yeah, to their country. Yeah. So um, I, I, I am puzzled, and I hope the government appeals it and it goes to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court quickly acts in the government's favour. Wasn't this always likely to happen?
2: Yes, well, it's, it's The Blob again, isn't it? The Blob 2, is the sequel to the 50s horror film. Uh, we expected this was going to happen at some point. I mean, we've known it's like getting anything through government now. It's like treading through treacle when you have so many of these NGOs and refugee councils and all of these other organisations doing their utmost to frustrate to frustrate the government's agenda. Not 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 to mention the House of Lords as well. Um, it's very hard for me to get uh, animated about the Rwanda project because I've never been a great fan of it. I've never thought it was really up to the task at all. It's, you know, it's like using a teaspoon to empty a swimming pool. It's a useless project. Uh, the numbers that will be going to Rwanda are infinitesimally small. It diverts tension away from the much bigger issue of legal migration as well, I should say. And of course, people forget that, of course that part of the Rwanda deal is that we will be accepting Rwandan citizens in exchange for the uh, people, if that's correct am I not in saying that that there was going to be an exchange where we would be receiving um, other immigrants in exchange for those that were sent to Rwanda so the whole thing is is I think is, is a bit of a, a bit of a scam.
1: On, on that, Rafe, um, as I understand it having spoken to people about it there are a relatively few, a small number of people who might come in this direction it's not a case of one for one so that Mm-hmm. Uh, however many mm-hmm. we send the same number come in right. this direction that that I'm sure will not happen but I think the most important thing here is the message it sends mm-hmm. frankly. Um, I, I think that Rwanda on its own would was never the solution I think Rwanda part of a, a wider a strategy on on tackling the illegal boats could work and the Australians have shown us you know how it might be done uh, however I think it, it will it would discourage some people so long as the, the government acted quickly and decisively and we didn't have to wait months and months and months for planes to take off. If they acted quickly and decisively then I think it would serve to discourage some people from coming mm. as it is I expect an influx now.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think it's too little, too late. I've said for years that uh, we've got, uh, you know, we have British overseas territories which we could very easily have used for precisely that purpose of having processing centres on uninhabited British overseas territory islands. You know, and the much the same way you've had the Australian deal with with Nauru originally as well t- to use. But the reality is, we're we're in that lame duck. St- mm-hmm. uh, part of the government's tenure. You know we always look at the last couple of years of a President's second term as that lame duck term when we know essentially the end is nigh. Uh, With British politics we never really had that until a Prime Minister would announce when he planned to resign but everyone now is so convinced that the Tories will not win at the next election that essentially we're just counting down the clock to when this finishes, because by the time this will go before the Supreme Court, which we assume it will be challenged and go to the Supreme Court, and a decision is made, there's really going to be very little time for any of this to have any chance of having any possible effect. I'm not at all I- encouraged by it. I mean if we want to get serious, we've had a long time, we've had 13 years remember to get serious. Mm-hmm. We've had 26 years since Tony Blair was elected, 50% has been under Labour and 50% under the Tories. Yes. Uh, they, you know, it's not rocket science as one French politician said very recently, if you want people to stop coming to Britain, make it less attractive than France. One of the great ways you do that is you cut benefits in half, as the Danes have done, uh, in order to ensure that people don't get uh, the handouts that they're currently getting, but also crack down on the black market. One of the great attractions of of Britain and London is that um, immigrants can disappear Mm -hmm. into into, um, illegal employment to a far greater degree than they can in France, which does crack down on this. So challenge um, business uh, employers to actually be seriously penalised if they are found to be employing people. Same thing with landlords who aren't actually being investigated for um, uh, renting out places to illegal immigrants. There are so many ways in which this could be done effectively and quickly and Rwanda is just a big smokescreen. Are there much easier things that could be done very swiftly and very easily?
0: Do we, do we have any idea actually of how many illegal migrants there would be for example in London? I know people have had a kind of, because most of them would be in London.
1: Uh, Most of them would be in London and uh, we did some, uh, some work on this four or five years ago uh, when, and, and indeed Pew Research respected mm. organisation also did some similar research into uh, the numbers of illegal migrants mm. in this country and we came out way ahead of anyone else in Europe um, something over 1.2, uh, one, 1 million, up to 1.2 million. Of course, as as a former immigration officer who's who's actually worked on tracking down illegal immigrants and then doing something about them, um, once you identify them, it's a devil's own job <laughs> actually mm. to identify them, given a lot of the, the circumstances that you, you've described Rafe, it's so easy to get national mm. insurance cards, it's so easy to get a, a job, it's so easy to get paid that way mm. um, rather than um, you know getting your payslip which you pay tax. It's and I hate to say it but all of us are guilty in, in encouraging it in, in many respects be it through taking our car to be washed Mm. somewhere or going uh, to have our nails done in a nail bar whatever I mean all these places are by and large either there are either illegal immigrants working them or indeed there are those who shouldn't be working even if they're not illegal. Mm. Uh, Those who've applied for asylum they should not be working and yet we know that many, many of them do, and it's well, easy to do that in London.
0: Where, where does this figure, by the way, of h- one hundred and sixty-eight thousand per person in the Rwandan policy? Have you read about this? Is that the cost of it? Is is it quite no, t- extraordinary? The government's yeah. own figure. Yeah.
1: it it was their their um, cost analysis of what the scheme would cost. I, I mean. I, I always take these things with a pinch of salt, frankly. Um, how they arrive at mm. at these figures, the fact is that they they need to do it as part of the mm, legislative mm, process mm. to show what the cost implications are. I, I mean, the government also said, however, if there's any sort of impact mm. and there are people who are not going to come as a result of the policy, mm. then that should be factored in as well.
2: Mm. Yeah, it's the deterrence argument if we mm. if we pay for this one person, but that stops yeah. ten more from coming, but I'm not, anyway, I'm not entirely convinced and my, and also what's going to happen now you're going to see is as we get closer to the election and the Tory party are seriously challenged on the, on the issue of, of illegal immigration, they will just say well we tried our best but we were thwarted by the NGOs, we were thwarted by the Blob, but we are actually fighting your side and we're seeing of course also with the illegal migration bill, peers and the Lords trying to amend it and again the, the government will say well we're trying our best and I'm sorry, that's not good enough trying your best, you know, no. you must try better. You've had 13 years, you've you failed fell. miserably, and you've left us in a worse position than you were when you got in.
1: I, I agree, Rave. And I think it was always, um, it was disguising, really, inaction, <laughs> mm. giving the impression of action in a way that would allow them at a government, uh, uh, at an election to say, "Ah, oh, but look at what we've achieved or what we try to achieve and were thwarted in the channel. Mm. That's why we mean it this time and we're going to get immigration under control and we've shown how it could be done. Mm. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. It's nonsense. Isn't there a wider problem here which is not, we ha- we've seen uh,
0: examples of it not to do with migration actually and that is of an extremely politicised judiciary as well.
2: I wouldn't be so so inclined to say that it, I mean obviously I think the judges today are a lot more liberal leaning than they perhaps were 20 there's 30 all children years ago the 60s, aren't they? uh yes so I mean so I'm, I think there's, yeah. a, there's a different world view I would say that judges have today uh, have to 30 years ago but then again not necessarily always in a bad sense if we look at for example how judges used to deal with rape, cra- cra- things to in the old days compared to today but I wouldn't say we have a politicised judiciary in the same way that you have in America for mm, example.
1: Mm, mm. I, I agree with that Rafe, I, I think uh, our judiciary on, on balance it's it's pretty good. Mm. It's really the, the circumstances that we've created mm. really that th- they are functioning in and and that I'm afraid lends itself to a lot of progressivism Mm. in a way that um, I I, I don't think that our judges are politicised in that sense. However they also reflect the thinking of what Matthew Goodwin has described as the new elite yes
0: oh I think there's no question I mean that they also all the people who run our institutions in now essentially grew up in what late 60s early 70s you know they're very much of that one the very same people by the way and also in broadcasting uh, never like to talk um, about issues in in relation to migration where basically I, I see almost every issue now as being. Affected uh, migra- migration, I don't see how you can, you can deny it. <laughs> and one of those is, in fact, housing. And I mean, you know, housing bubbles away, and you still have to have these kind of phantom arguments, don't you? And phantom sort of discussions where you can't mention or people don't want to mention what seems to be the, the overriding factor, which is like eight million people in fifteen, twenty years.
2: Yes, I mean there's an article by Lionel Shriver in this Mm -hmm. week's uh, Spectator where she touches on this, I mean 20 years ago I remember raising the issue of immigration and housing mm. and I remember the, the the response that I got 20 years ago that really was beyond the pale to even mention it. Now we can have more discussions about it, although mm. Lionel Shriver says she was met with gasps of horror when she tried mm. to link the housing crisis with immigration, I mean it is simple mathematics, mm. um, you know Migration Watch have done a great deal of study on this recently looking at birth rates and so forth and how, you know, that's what traditionally governments used to be able to plan infrastructure development, including Mm -hmm. housing. But when you have um, unparalleled levels of immigration, uh, we now know that uh, over half of the social housing in London is occupied by recent immigrants who've arrived here. Um, It's essentially, it's a a hiding to nothing when you look at the progressive pledges to build 300,000 homes a year which is the bare minimum you need to do yeah. just to keep up with immigration let alone yeah. the natural need to replace existing housing stock uh, but they're not even meeting those petrol levels. But it's not just about the typical idea of an immigrant who comes over, it's also about the type of housing that's being built. So in London for example most of the housing is housing designed for professional couples. Yeah one or two bedroom apartments are being built, these are appealing to the rich elites. Now where I live at Badgeshire Power Station I was invited to the launch of of one of the huge developments and I went there and uh, three quarters of the development was sold off plan to people in Asia and the mm-hmm. Middle East and uh, and uh, Ru- Russia and elsewhere before they were even offered to the British public. Mm-hmm. So the mayor can come mm-hmm. forward every year and say well we've built 300,000 apartments. Well yes, firstly th- there are no British families able to live in small apartments, there are no houses being built so the British population are being expelled to the, to, the, to the extremities but secondly these are not houses for British people these are Swiss banker, you know th- these are mm. safety deposit mm. boxes in the sky essentially.
0: Yes they're not they're not family homes in any shape or form.
1: No I, and mm. that I, I mean it's it's not just housing it's I suppose it's dwellings rather than mm, houses mm. because um, y- you don't need in every um, structure in every building that goes up Um, to cater for Mm 2.4 families or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, The fact is that there will be some families larger, um, there will be single parent families, there will be individuals so you really, what you need to look at is the um, head of household if we can call them Mm -hmm. that, Um, uh, the, the main reference person when you look at that and you consider immigration flows the fact is that most family units or most uh, groups of people are headed, yeah. uh, about half of them actually, are going to be headed by uh, um, a non-UK born mm. reference person. So. Uh, it's easy to see how immigration impacts on the need mm. for housing and as, as Rafe says at the moment we're not even building sufficient numbers to cater for those mm. who are still not here and will certainly come here given half a chance.
0: So what, what we're talking about really is that you know it's, it's an impossible task actually well, I think mm. in
2: terms of the numbers that you recently came out with at Migration Watch, mm. I mean there are j- approximately three million houses in London. Now, you said that there would need to be fifteen or sixteen Birmingham's built, but Indeed. that's mm. equivalent mm. to two or three Londons. Indeed, London is the size of Wales and Indeed. Scotland combined. Indeed, over what th- time period? I
1: over over the next twenty-five years.
2: Yeah.
1: I, I mean that, um, given that we are already five million. I can't remember the exact figure we are millions of um, dwellings short mm. of what we need now and here we are talking about adding to it's the just need. just insanity I mean it, it,
0: what, what is the figure you put a figure I think would it be for uh, 2046 I've got that right in mind of how much the population will be? Uh,
1: rate. At, at 600,000 uh, net I migration, e like yeah, yeah. it would be eighty-three million. Eighty-three million, and that's at a lower mm. uh, reproductive rate. Because
2: mm-hmm. we, because we have been forecast for some time to overtake Germany in the near future as the world's most populous, as as Europe's most populous nation. Mm.
1: Indeed, yes. After Turkey, I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, is, it is
0: quite small. Just one thing before we move on. Um, with this thing about the. Uh, non uk heads of in of families in council what we call council council housing social housing um, that i assume is because what is considered to be the greatest need right is the main criteria not your local uh, connection in, in the area although i did read that the government is aiming to change that recently i mean but i don't see that how can that, they how can how can that even be enforced in somewhere like say like London how can it be enforced even?
1: With a mayor like um Saudi Yes exactly
0: <laughs> I d- it goes right against all of it it's all basically the world we want the world here I think he even said this recently I mean as, as well as saying that London is uh, you know built by uh, migrants and refugees anyway let's not go there because it's a whole different argument. I um, want to talk finally about Uh, the latest of our great institutions basically you can pick whichever one you want now, Uh, the latest one is cricket to come under the hammer for horrific racism Uh, can you do you think cricket is racist? of course it's not
2: Well, this was such a predictable and depressing story. This was a uh, (laughs) 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 this this was a report issued by the by the by the cricket equity commission. Just the very inclusion of the word equity in such a commission, following on recent claims raised by some players uh, uh, that uh, 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 they've experienced racism within cricket, and this report was quite an outrageous report, full of all of the woke buzzwords. Says that cricket is institutionally racist, that it's elitist that it's sexist and that you know the cisgendered able-bodied men are the type k men they're called and they're holding cricket type k type k men is is what they refer to as cisgendered white able-bodied middle-aged men are holding cricket cricket back and I just thought And and, uh, there was an unquestioning acceptance of this report by everybody, including the English Cricket Board, which I thought, you know, chaps, come on, take a stand and say we reject this. But in the media and on the BBC, no one actually questioned anything. They Mm -hmm. took it all at face value. And I could just tell from listening to the chairman, this woman, Cindy Butts, that she was obviously infused in this. So I looked up the commission and one was the general's had been general secretary of the TUC, one had worked for the refugee council, um, one was a professor on, on decolonization, of the British empire and race, and another one was a, was a, the fourth and final commissioner was involved in race and diversity and inclusion. And I thought, well, and how how surprising therefore that this Mary Ban should find cricket to be racist and uh, it re- what it really amounted to was an attack on English traditions and this was at the root and heart of it all and they don't like the fact that, the- that you have a very uh, a very traditional sport here and so they for example one of the recommendations they had was that um, the Harrow and Eton uh, annual cricket match should be um, uh, 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 banned forever, along with the Oxford and Cambridge cricket match. Whether or not Lords has a place, uh, has time to fit it in, even if it does have time, it must go without any actual qualifying statement as to why it must go. Because, of course, it's symbolic of something. They've also demanded that women receive equal pay even though of course the pay that male cricketers receive is based upon the ticket price, people are prepared to pay mm-hmm. to go and watch their favourite stars and because of the huge sums that male crickets uh, receive through sponsorship and through ad- television advertising.
1: Well what can I add to that? <laughs> um, instinctively uh, I have I resiled, I, I, I just thought I'm not going to read this because it mm. seems to me that what was going to be said and what this um, committee found was inevitably going to t- say yeah, and yeah. do exactly what they they have said.
2: I mean, one you of know? the one of the one of the remarkable things was was the, the lack of of, of scholarly insight and the lack of analysis of the real p- problems facing cricket. They said that it's being hampered by by cis white men, and that uh, that fewer percentage of black people are taking part in it, without actually considering the fact that a a smaller percentage of the population of Britain is black Caribbean, because Mm. more and more of the black population of this country comes from Africa, where cricket is not actually played uh, in anywhere near the same degree that it was in in the Caribbean. So those sorts of issues aren't aren't actually explored or or thought of as one of the reasons, perhaps. And also, of course, the, the lack of cricket on terrestrial television, when we were, were younger 20-30 years ago people could watch it on Channel 4 or BBC 2. Now people must, play, must pay for it. So again people who are disadvantaged and don't have the ability to pay for satellite television don't get to see sports and when you're a child it's watching these things. Mm. Those are the ways in which you can actually engage uh, people and all of this was uh, none of this was covered in this report which was more concerned by, by ideology than facts. Who would, uh, who would uh,
0: appoint these people? You know the, the people you went through, Who would appoint those? The,
1: I don't know. You know? The the, um, the MCC, I suppose, or mm. some board? Because sort you of see, it seems English to me that
0: board. whenever these reports are uh, announced, or whenever they there are results, you know, you you don't have to even as you say read them. You know what the conclusion is going to be, particularly this mm, this word institutional racism which basically gets you off the hook you don't have to prove a thing if you say something's institutionally racist you don't have to prove it you can't prove it you, it's something in the air you know you can't prove it but it seems to me that it's anything English I mean when I sort of saw this I don't even like cricket I'm I, I bored to death by it right? but I sort of thought of the proms you know for, for many years ago you might remember not just the last night but the proms as a thing um, they said this it's it, it, there's no, basically it's full of hideously white faces. For the audience. The implication of this is that somehow or other, um, racism immediately uh, is the reason. Uh, it can't be any other reason, if they, if there aren't any black or Asian people there it must be the
2: reason. Oh yes and it's clearly a tack on Englishness, I mean one of those mm. d- defining images of England is the the, 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 the sound of, of leather on willow in on, on an mm. English green, yes. gentlemen in their whites you know trapped in mm. and blazers standing on the side drinking warm pints of yes. beer, now that is that is an antithesis to all that these people stand for and you saw it in one of the phrases in the uh, phrases in the report said that um, those cis white gendered, you know, able-bodied males who uh, don't like loud music at cricket matches are holding it back. Now that's not <laughs> clear re- clearly revealing of the actual motivations yes. of the people writing the report I think. Exactly. I,
1: I've, I've only caught snippets of it um, and so I haven't read the report and I'm not going to read the report mm. frankly because, mm. uh, but it it is really how you've described it Peter, it's it's a way of undermining of mm. eroding the foundations that mm. this society is actually built on mm. and that um, I suppose that if you're going to impose something that you feel is more appropriate and a, a more appropriate way of life um, then you've got to destroy what is there in order be able to do that and this yeah. seems to me what is happening and and this is another example of that sort of denigration and destruction of, of um, foundations that we are uh, I mean, was developed on.
0: Was there anybody on that report who, well no because you've just <laughs> told us who actually was from cricket or liked cricket even
2: Oh yes, there there was a cricket player but he was somebody who had a very famous cricket uh, chap, a Muslim chap but of course once you look into his biography he had volunteered for the Refugee Council and he came from mm. a, a very particular political viewpoint mm. as well. But I think what we, what you're saying is precisely right because I'm not a cricket expert but there is apparently from reading all, the, all of this stuff, there is a code, there's a gentlemanly code of conduct of cricket which is very famous. Oh, yes. It's an MCC sort of uh,
1: All over the world all, you uh, will hear cricketers say, oh that's not cricket. But yes, actually. well exactly that's not cricket but,
2: there, but there, there are a specific set of rules which are a so sworn to the gentlemanly agreement and that's one of the things that they have said that they want to have replaced by this diversity and inclusion and equity state policy mm-hmm. and there we can see the traditional gentlemanly code being supplanted by the new ideology this yeah. now must be the sacred text from which you will all read.
0: <laughs> there is actually another way possibly of looking at it by way of a uh, conclusion uh, is you could wrap all of the issues we talked about today up and you could say that in fact this is inevitable when you get a huge demographic change that in fact in a way it doesn't matter who's actually pushing it on by writing the report essentially when you get new cultures in such numbers there will be less interest in, in what was once the indigenous culture it will eventually kind of go.
2: Yes, although you do have India Pakistan being the world's two cr- greatest true, cricket, in cricket in players case, yeah, but is so I think here's ideology for once perhaps that's trumping
1: and they, they revere <laughs> institutions like Lords yes. and The Oval and yes. edgebaston yes. and you, you name it and you, wherever you are in the world where there's cricket I mean these are the sort of institutions that they look at mm. to, to try and emulate and, and people want to be like the cricketers of old in this country, yes. not just in this country but in the Caribbean as well and yes. in um, India, Pakistan, South Africa, Australia mm. where cricket is, is is played, I mean all of them, the great cricketers are you know, revered mm. and a lot of them are West Indian.
0: Yes, well I mean I don't know but next week it'll be something else won't it? I mean you know it'll be some we'll be sitting here discussing
2: until there's nothing Peter, left <laughs> okay,
1: but before we finish yeah. or before you, you wrap up can I can I just have a plug for my petition please oh we've got to uh, go ahead well of I, course I have already uh, you, you have, it on thank, twitter no no you go ahead and do you, it, please thank you but what I would like please dot com. go there and sign our petition we really have to send the strongest possible message to the government that the people ordinary people want immigration reduced preferably to under a hundred thousand no more net migration that is thank you great thank you
0: very very much indeed Alp thank you for coming on very thank you and uh, we shall see you next time and don't also forget to sign the petition And don't forget to join us if you want in Norwich. Bye-bye. Hello, if you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.